Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me for the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We'd have another great show for you. Later on, I'll talk with Stephen Wino of the Associated Press as we talk NHL. The puck dropped on the season Tuesday night. We'll preview the season and get his thoughts on uh, how the league's going to go this year. Joining me now is Gazette sports writer Adam Schinder for our you know, usual talk about high school football. We'll also talk a little Albany and Union football. Adam, back after a week off, we had a scheduling conflict, but no big deal. It happens. Yeah, glad to be, glad, glad to be back. You, know, you, don't, old... you don't want to work on your off day. I understand that. I, I, was out, I, was out, I was basically in Vermont picking apples, so uh, glad, glad to be back. Very good. I have way too many apples well, now. Were well, you going to bring some in? I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have to check it out then. So, hey, let's talk about high school football. Obviously, the big game last week was a Shaker CBA game and uh, Shaker, yeah, I think they're the dominant team right now. Yeah, it was a close game, 19-13. Shaker makes a couple of uh, big plays on special teams, on defense uh, to win that game. CBA had a couple issues punting the ball uh, that really ended up hurting them. But you know, before this week, exactly one team had scored on CBA in five weeks. They'd scored, they'd allowed six points. They've now allowed 25. Uh, Shaker. Doesn't always win games the prettiest way, but they win games, uh, and they've they've really cemented themselves right now as the number one team in Double A. Yeah, I mean this is a team that has been close to winning a championship. Are they there at this point? Do you think can, can they finally get over that hump? Uh, I mean, look, they're probably going to have to see CBA again before the end of this year. Shenandoah and Gilderland are both very good teams. These games, uh, I think we all would have thought in the spring that Shaker was just going to roll. Gilderland came back and upset them in the in the championship game. Those two teams meet up again this week, uh, but it's just going to be interesting to see. You know, Shaker's the clear favorite right now, but Double A uh, is a minefield. Yeah, and you mentioned Gilderland Shaker. I mean, how good is that game going to be Friday? That's a, I mean, that was a terrific game uh, last last spring. Gilderland's one loss to Shen uh, earlier this year had a rough second half. Has looked really good in the last couple of weeks since then, uh, getting their new quarterback in, and then the the. Uh, Mar- uh, Marcus and Devin McLean, two playmakers, are really terrific for them. Shaker uh, has just been super consistent. They've got one of the best players in the class in, in their running back, Porter Instant, and uh, their sophomore quarterback, Jake Icabaccio, has, has really stepped up uh, in his first season. Yeah, I was watching a little bit of that game when I got back from uh, the Union women's game against RPI, and then Shaker just, I'm impressed. I mean, they, it seems they can win. You get by scoring a lot of points, or are you holding you down? Yeah, they do not have to play one style. They play a, they play a tough physical style, but they're a team that can either grind you down or they can make some big plays depending on how the game comes to them. And just really an interesting one to see moving forward. Shaker after this will have cleared all of the uh, difficult portion of its schedule. It will have played Shen, CBA. And Gilderland, so they'll actually have a couple of weeks to kind of get themselves in playoff gear. How close are we to the playoffs? I mean, it's, you know, we already are the second Saturday in October, and geez, we've got we've got actually. we've got. Uh, well, it's a little yeah. bit confusing yeah. Uh, yeah, because, because we because yeah. we have four of the five classifications are playing an eight week regular season. Uh, one of them is playing a seven week regular season, which is Class C. So Class C has one more week after this, and then the playoffs. Everything else, two more weeks. And then uh, the playoffs right at the end of wow. uh, October, November. Hard to believe we're almost there. So. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, let's look at Class AA. A couple games to 
uh, you're highlighting here. We'll start with Avril Park LaSalle. Avril Park knocked off Niskuna last week. Yeah, Avril Park, a uh, really big win uh, for Avril Park last week, being a Niskuna team that had really played well uh, since since its opening game against Auburn. Hadn't been tested against the toughest competition, but had really, really looked good. Avril Park came out, really controlled that game. And Avril Park's option offense is always tough to control. LaSalle is a team that uh, has... Its two losses are to Burn Hills and to CBA. Uh, one was a close game uh, against Burn Hills. Game decided on a field goal. One was a game that LaSalle legitimately should have been up by two touchdowns in the first half uh, before turnovers and penalties really went against them. That game with Amsterdam as the undefeated team right now in the in the Class A Capital Division, the win, if LaSalle wins that game, Averill Park is basically eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, if Averill Park wins that game, then it could lead to... It's going to make the LaSalle-Amsterdam game next week very, very interesting because all of a sudden we could have three-way ties in, uh, in the works. Another game in Class A, the rivalry there between Boston Spot and Burn Hills. Yeah, Boston Spot, Burn Hills, uh, another game that has been close over recent years. Boston Spot is not the flashiest team. They grind you. They play tough defense. Uh, they're going to be angry. Uh, losing. They blew a 24-point lead. Uh, last week against Amsterdam, they gave up two touchdowns in the last minute and ten se- minute and forty seconds of that game. Amsterdam came away to win 28-27. Burnhills, on the other hand, you know they lost to Shaker in, in week one, and they have not put a foot wrong since. And they've really put themselves on the inside track. They've still got the Niskayuna game. So Boston Spot, Niskayuna, Burnhills look like the three teams uh, fighting out for the playoff spots in the Grasso division with Queensbury dropping a little bit this year. You mentioned Amsterdam. They're hosting Troy on Friday night. I mean, how impressed are you with the, the rugged Rams? It's an incredibly impressive run for this Amsterdam team that last year was, like on a weekly basis, the most snake-bit team I think we'd ever seen. Lost multiple games in the last minute when they either had a chance to or had taken the lead. Uh, really gutted out two tough wins. They're 4-0. They've got two of their last three games are very, very exceptionally winnable games. Troy has two wins now because they picked up a forfeit uh, against a South Glens Falls team that's now forfeited a couple of games in a row due to COVID protocol. Uh, But this Amsterdam team has a winnable, very winnable game this week, very winnable game two weeks from now at Albany, and has really put themselves in position to be back in the playoffs. Yeah. Let's take a look at Class B, a Friday night matchup between Glens Falls and Gloversville. Yeah, two top teams right now in the uh, in the Class B North Division. Glens Falls, its only loss this year was to uh, Hoosick Falls Tamarack in a game that, uh, from everything I've heard, Glens Falls was down a number of players due to COVID protocols. They have an exceptional running back in Griffin Waddell. Uh, Gloversville is 4-2. and two. They've had a very good bounce-back season uh, for, for Coach Jim Robert after a tough fall, too. Uh, they've, they've, they've struggled against the upper echelon teams. Their losses are to Ravina and Chalmont. Glens Falls pretty handily beat Chalmont uh, early in this season. But for Gloversville, this is a proving ground game. They can really make their bones and give them... If they win this game, Gloversville is going to have a home playoff game. Let's look at Class D here for uh, the uh, three-headed monster of Warrensburg, North Warren, Bolton take on Stillwater. Yeah, Warrensburg, North Warren, Bolton had absolutely crushed everyone it faced until last week when it finally ran into a Greenwich team that outlasted a very good game, ended up being a couple of score win for, for Greenwich. Stillwater lost to Greenwich close game for a They've pushed Greenwich closer than anybody else. And then they've absolutely rolled over the bottom half of Class D in their last few games. Uh, They're running back C.J. McNeil's putting up 200-plus yards a game. This game pretty much tells us who the second-best team is uh, in, 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 class, in Class D. Uh, not going to really impact 
uh, playoff seeding because Stillwater's in the other division. Stillwater at this point really moving themselves into position to uh, for a number one seed, uh, which could lead to a potential rematch with these teams in the semifinals. Let's take a look at the uh, power rankings that will appear in uh, Thursday's Daily Gazette and online at dailygazette.com. Uh, starting with Class AA, uh, really the only change we see is Saratoga Springs is all alone at five. It's but Shaker, CBA, Shen, Gildeland, and Saratoga Springs. Yeah, this uh, of our of our handful of voters, this classification went pretty much the same. There was a minor tweak uh, in there, but Shaker's a unanimous number one. CBA was a pretty much unanimous number two. Shen beat Gildeland, uh, has a pretty clear edge right there. Colony did beat Saratoga Springs, but Saratoga's looked a little more impressive the last couple of weeks. That was a one-point game. Saratoga comes off a, a nice win this past week. So that was probably the most cl- uh, cut-and-dry classification for us. Uh, Shake-up in Class A, where Burnt Hill's uh, boss leg takes over the top spot. Niskuna, which was the top number one last week, drops to five. Yeah, Niskuna, uh, and it's really a case of there were teams that you had to put them uh, behind this week, Amsterdam's undefeated, hasn't done anything wrong. Beat Averill Park, who handily beat Niskiuna. Uh, Burnhill's Boston Lake Niski, as just as we said earlier, has not put a foot wrong uh, since uh, since their week one game against Shaker. Averill Park was a team that had kind of dropped a little bit. Really impressive win, and Averill Park LaSalle's very much going to sort itself out Friday night. Yeah, Class B at Glens Falls takes over the top spot from Ravina. Shamans two, Ravina Falls at three. Gloversville 4 and Hudson Falls comes in at number 5. Yeah, this one seems uh, right now, we'd given Ravina that number 1 spot after the Glens Falls loss uh, to Hoosick Falls. Glens Falls came back out, wiped the floor with Scotia this week, uh, this past week. Shalmont, Sean Willis, their uh, quarterback slash running back, 44 carries, 139 yards, had the game-winning touchdown, gave them a big win over Ravina that gets the Sabres back to that spot. Ravina beat Gloversville. And then the bottom of Class B, once you get past Gloversville, is very much a mishmash. Hudson Falls, Lansingburg, Mahonison are all in a mix. <laughs> and Class C, Skylerville stays at one. Hoosick Falls, Tamarack is number two. Water Vliet moves up to three. Voorheesville is four. And Fonda Fultonville at five. Yeah, you've got a very weird thing where uh, Hoosick Falls, Water Vliet, and Voorheesville are all teams that lost their first game, and none of them have lost since. Uh, they're all playing very very, very good football right now. Skylerville's undefeated. Fonda Fultonville is 2-3. Uh, they've only lost two on the field. Relatively close games against Hoosick Falls, Tamarack, and Skylerville. They have the loss to Coble Skill uh, by a uh, COVID forfeit. Yeah. And in Class D, uh, Greenwich, uh, Warrensburg, North Warren, Bolton, Stillwater, Cambridge, Salem, and Lake George. Yeah, again, this one has pretty well sorted itself out with teams who have uh, who have all beaten each other. Uh, the biggest uh, question mark last week, we had Lake George ahead of Cambridge-Salem. Cambridge-Salem wins that game this week, and they move up. Of course, Adam covers uh, UAlbany football for the Gazette, and then uh, the great Dane suffered a I guess a bad loss last Saturday against William and Mary up in that game and end up losing. Jeff Undercutler, the quarterback, did not play in the game. Uh, Coach Greg Gattuso called it a devastating loss. How devastating was it? Yeah, that was a really, really difficult game for you, Albany. They were down a number of players, not Jeff Undercutler, who did dress for the game, but from what we've learned since then, apparently was not healthy enough to play and was not available. They had a number of players, including a couple of their top wide receivers who didn't make the trip uh, down to Virginia uh, due to COVID quarantines. Joey Carino, their freshman, former Syracuse lacrosse commit, who uh, switched to UAlbany to play football, made his first start, got them to a 21-3 halftime lead. Third quarter, things just 
fell completely apart. By the fourth quarter, they're down 31-21. They get a field goal. They get the ball back with a chance to tie. Or, as Greg Gattuso said, if they had scored, they were going for two to win the game. Uh, get down to the seven-yard line in the last few seconds. Pass to the end zone. Incomplete. This Albany team, uh, I mentioned a snakebit Amsterdam team earlier. This Albany team in the CAA right now is, is, is absolutely snakebit. They cannot get anything to go right for them right now. They've lost three games all by one possession all to ranked or close to ranked teams. It doesn't get any easier. This Saturday's uh, Villanova, our area college, <laughs> the Philly area. They're coming up to you all, but on yeah, Saturday. Villanova last week uh, made itself the favorite in the CAA. They beat James Madison, which no one in the league had done since 2018. Really, really good Villanova team that's always at the top. This this is a this has been a good a good competitive game, a good rivalry in recent years. Uh, it's going to be good for you, Albany, to finally come back home. They haven't been home since uh, September 11th. Three road games and a bye since then. So uh, this great Danes team, you'd think they're going to have some energy. Uh, we could be dealing with some nasty weather on Saturday. So uh, that could either be a tipping point or it could be the great equalizer. I'll ask a big question here. Is uh, Greg Gattuso in trouble? Yeah, it's so hard to say that. I mean, you'd think a coach would definitely get some leeway after the, after the, uh, the season he led them to in 2019. Uh, the back half of the schedule is easier, and if you see promise during the back end of this season, if you see them come out and win some games, uh, I've got to think that the program has faith in him. But I'm, I can't, I can't say. Uh, you know, if, if this team, if this team is one in ten, zero oh and eleven, uh, that's tough for any coach. Yeah, you have had a chance to see Union play last Saturday against uh, St. Lawrence, and it was a uh, nice win for the Dutchman. They go into the bye week; they are off uh, on Saturday. Your thoughts about the Dutchman? I mean, is this? I think we're. It looks like we're in a collision course down the road between Union and RPI with that Dutchman shoes because RPI's also undefeated. Yeah, so we, yeah, we could be look. We could be looking at a Dutchman shoes game that is both two undefeated teams and for the Liberty League championship, which would be absolutely amazing after you know going two years without the game. This Union team's for real. They uh, unfortunately kind of they keep winning and somehow they keep slipping uh, slightly in the national poll. Mm-hmm. I'd say presumably just because they haven't had the toughest opponents yet to date. They're not they're they don't they haven't had a chance to really get any splashy wins. Their Liberty League schedule is very much backloaded. But they're really, really good. This wasn't a typical Union game on Saturday in that their early games this season have been all about big plays. Uh, this past game on Saturday against St. Lawrence was all about just super efficiency. Will Bellamy uh, completed 72% of his passes, hit eight different receivers uh, with their leading receiver, Andre Ross Jr., out. Just zipped the ball all around the field. They were just converting third downs easily. Struggled a little bit in the red zone early, but uh, they won 37-7 to in a game where they had to settle for three field goals inside the 15-yard line to show you how easily they won yeah. this game. Well, we'll talk more uh, next week about high school football, and then we'll see what happens with the Albany-Villanova game. If, if uh, We'll see if you Albany can uh, maybe stay with Villanova. be absolutely nice to see. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. That's Adam Schinder of the Daily Gazette. Coming up, we'll talk NHL with Steve Wino of the Associated Press and my fellow Holy Ghost Prep alum down in suburban Philadelphia. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in New York. 
This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Harborside Hal Wafer. I'm the manager of the River Sportsbook at Rivers Casino and Resort. Now, it's always a winning bet to listen to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. The puck dropped on the NHL season on Tuesday, and it's a great time to be a hockey fan. And joining us now is the man who helps cover the uh, NHL for the Associated Press and my fellow Holy Ghost Prep alum, Stephen Wino. Stephen, welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad to be back. Well, first of all, I was glad to, I was happy to finally meet you back in August up in uh, South Glens Falls. We got together for a beer and, uh, and talked to hockey and talked a lot of stuff. So it was great to uh, catch up with you and meet you for the first time. That was real fun, and, and and thanks for meeting me up there. And, uh, we got a chance to, to go to uh, to be in Glens Falls, did a little Lake Placid trip, uh, got, to, got to see you, got to, to catch up. It was awesome. Yeah. Well, you're at the Capitals practice right now. I know Alex Ovechkin, uh, by the time we air this podcast uh, sometime Wednesday afternoon, his status for the game against the Rangers, uh, what is his status right now? Look, uh, questionable, but we have to imagine Alex Ovechkin is going to, going to play – uh, he, he skated, felt good. Um, it, it could, like this is a guy who plays through everything, and, and I know he's 36 and, and missed a handful of games last year with a groin injury. But this is a guy who who has played through so much and has been so durable throughout his career that I think we can we can start the clock now on on Alex Ovechkin chasing Wayne Gretzky's record. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the uh, this season. As I said, the puck dropped on Tuesday night. As we're, we are talking on Tuesday for full disclosure, so by the time we air the podcast, the two games will be under the belt. For the first time in a couple of years, we're going to have an 82-game schedule. Uh, you know, God willing, uh, we finally get back to some normalcy. Yeah, it's nice. And, and, and the most hockey game we'll ever have that we've ever had in an NHL season because you got 32 teams now with the addition of the Seattle Kraken. That it's just There's something about the normal that talking to guys before the season like you almost took it for granted of, of, of kind of the, the normal calendar of the season and, and the rhythm of, of playing every team and, and, and every building and that sort of thing that after after the, the, the pandemic in, interrupts the 2019-20 season you, get, you have a shortened season with all divisional play I think players are really happy about this I think fans are too just to have everyone playing everyone again uh, and, and, and not just this, this divisional schedule where you're seeing the Sabres eight times, you're seeing the Coyotes eight times, and, and just kind of how how mundane that can get. The, the, the normalcy is is comforting. You, you knock on what is as you say it, and, and hope that that you get through eighty two games without any outbreaks, without any any kind of pauses or disruptions to the schedule. Well, we've already seen that Seattle, the Kraken has had some players put on pro, uh, COVID protocol. Of course, like they said, they're play, they played Tuesday night against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, how concerned is the NHL, you think, with uh, you know the COVID situation still? I mean, it seems like there isn't, there hasn't really much, uh, I think very few players have really come out against the vaccine, at least in the NHL world. And those who have are not going to be playing for the uh, teams that they're playing for. Yeah, and, and, and Gary Batman said, that there, he believes there are only four unvaccinated players on NHL opening night rosters. Uh, we know Tyler Bertuzzi in Detroit and Mackenzie Blackwood in New Jersey being two of them. Blackwood has said he, he's he's leaning toward getting the vaccine. If he wants to play for Canada at the Olympics, he would have to do that. Um, and that's why I, that's why I think the league is is bullish on getting through this season without a whole lot of interruption. Because even if there's an isolated case or two here or there or some close contacts and those sort of things. 
whether it's aberrations or testing, uh, some some of these cases with vaccinated players that that most likely will not be severe, uh, that that you're not going to have team-wide outbreaks because these teams, because most teams, the vast majority of teams, are fully vaccinated, coaches, players, staff, to where the the, the risk of, of, of transmission of, of a significant outbreak are not very high. And I think that's that's where the optimism comes from to be able to get through this season and get to the Olympics and back. Well, Robin Leonard created a stir uh, a couple weeks ago with his comments about the teams, the way they treat the players as far as medical conditions. And he you know, singled out uh, Flyers coach Lane Vigneault. Uh, about that. Uh, what has the league done about this, and is Robert Leonard right? The, 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 league, has, the league and the Players Association have, have each talked to Robin Leonard about his concerns. He was, he was uh, happy to, to have those, those. He said he was, it, there were good conversations with the league and, and the Players Association. And, and a lot of this, I think, from now on is going to be done behind closed doors in, 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 in situations where there, this is a topic. It's, it's a topic that, that Robin Leonard brought up and other players have brought up about kind of over-medicating to get through injuries, over-medicating for travel and anxiety and, and sleep. I think uh, from a larger perspective, from a big-picture perspective, it was an important topic to bring up, even if maybe the way it was it was brought up kind of threw a lot of people off. Uh, lumping in Elaine Vigneault when he was talking about something else while also referring to, to medication may have been, been unfair to, to the Flyers coach in that situation, but it's a topic that I think isn't going away. Uh, we're going to—it's been pushed to the back burner a little bit now because the season's starting. There's so many other things going on, but it is for, for players. I think a major concern of, of this is a hockey culture question. It is there's so much put into playing through injuries and, and kind of the toughness that comes with hockey, and, and where's the balance between that toughness and, and, and those things, and, and, and also harming your body long term and, and over medicating and the risk of being addicted to medication. I think that's that's a topic that's going to be ongoing, and and, and I hope for Robin Leonard's sake and for everyone in hockey's sake that the conversation advances to kind of what is the common sense way to, to handle this, and and not to get away from the kind of playing through injury stuff in the playoffs and and some of the the, the things that go along with hockey, but also to realize that these are human beings; they're not robots, and, and so that the conversation will continue. And, of course, uh, Carey Price, the Montreal goaltender, uh, announced last week he's taking a leave of absence from his team uh, to deal with some uh, issues. Uh, it seems like he did get a lot of support from the hockey community, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, he did, he did and, 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 and yes, it's a good thing. And, 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 and speaking with, with former teammates of his, they were surprised because they, they didn't know him to, to kind of deal with any of these things. And, and I guess he kind of kept everything very, very close um, and, and – yeah, there's there's starting to, to be kind of an appreciation of the, the mental health thing, maybe a little bit further behind in hockey than, than in other sports, just of how important that stuff is, uh, whether it's him coming off the knee surgery and, and kind of missing time. And there's a lot that these guys deal with. The, 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 they, they are human beings. And, and, and to, to, to think, look, like a concussion is a brain injury, but there are also kind of mental kind of health ailments and injuries that go along with this that look if you can't play with a broken foot you can't sometimes and and, and kind of your 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 mind isn't right it, it's an injury it's it, and, and i think we're starting to in, in the hockey world the hockey community kind of come to an acceptance of that and and yeah carrie price is a, is a beloved uh, figure a beloved person in hockey for we know how good of a goaltender he is and i think everybody realizes what good of a human being he is, uh, kind of everything he's done for, for the indigenous community in Canada, uh, he and his family, and kind of just he's a, he's a, a good spokesman for the game 
And I think everybody's hoping Terry Price is back on the ice and feeling better more than anything else sooner rather than later. Another topic uh, for discussion up in Buffalo, the Jack Eichel situation. It appears uh, he's going to be out of the Buffalo sooner than later. There's been a disagreement over, over the treatment of a neck injury. Uh, what is the status and how, how did it get to this point where basically it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a war between these uh, two parties? Yeah, it's a stalemate, and 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 really, it's just it's been, become almost a toxic environment between Jack Eichel and the Sabers since the injury happened, and kind of everything last last season with the Sabers, and, and and kind of Kevin Adams being in his first year at GM, and just everything falling apart. And, and look, the, the the resolution of this is to get Jack Eichel traded and able to, to kind of have, however it's decided between he and, and his next team of how to fix the, the, the herniated disc in his neck and, and whatever to move this along because Jack Eichel doesn't want to be sitting there without having this taken care of. The Sabres don't want to be sitting there kind of dealing with this the entire time. The next team that acquires Jack Eichel is going to want him playing at some point, and, and, and Jack Eichel is going to want to play on the Olympic team. And, 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 and if there's any chance of him going to Beijing and being on that team, something has to give now. Uh, the, the, something has to happen with his situation now, whether that's having the surgery and then getting traded or more likely the opposite, getting traded and then having the surgery or getting traded and then undergoing a certain amount of rehab because we're running out of time here between now and, and, and when those planes leave from Vegas to Beijing in early February, assuming NHL players obviously are going to the Olympics. Yeah, that's another thing. It's, they're going back, I think, for the first time since what, 2014, I believe. It will be the first time since 2014, yes. So uh, how excited is everybody, even despite the fact that we're dealing with COVID and where the Olympics are being held? Yeah, I think players are players. It matters to players. And I think the, the thing now is players, are, are they know it's coming, but there's such, so much of this focus on the start of the season that every guy I talk to about it, I was like, I know you're not worried about this right now. I know you're, you're worried about the start of the season and training camp and all of these things, but there's this level of anticipation that, players are willing to handle whatever the restrictions are in Beijing to go to the Olympics. And, and it's going to make the bubbles in Toronto and, and Edmonton looks like, look like child's play. It's going to be a maximum security prison sort of thing instead of a minimum security prison. And, and all the kind of jokes about the prison yard and everything in, in that Edmonton bubble. No, there's going to be actual real restrictions in China. Uh, maybe no fans outside of China at these games and, and very restrictive, but it shows, I think, how much the Olympics as a tournament matters to these players, that, that they're willing to, to, to do that. There are guys like Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Victor Hedman even, who have never played in the Olympics before. There's an entire generation, and, and you and I can grow up not expecting NHL players going to the Olympics. It was, it was a yeah. thing for, for, for generations. There are kids now who are in the NHL, and I say kids, there are players who are veterans in the NHL now who grew up expecting to go to the Olympics and have not gotten the opportunity to do that yet. And that's why I think there, there's a level of anticipation and excitement about going to Beijing. Do you think the NHL really benefits from going to the Olympics? Uh, I mean, because now it's, you know, we know the Winter Olympics are being televised on NBC, and NBC is no longer involved in the NHL TV contract. So is there, is there a benefit for the, the league to be on going to there and on a network that's not really doesn't have hockey anymore the, the league does not think so the, the, the league and, and and league owner and ownership do do not believe there is a benefit in going to the olympics that they, they, they have made that perfectly clear over the years that they feel like like pausing the season and interrupting the season doesn't hurt their bottom line and the nhl kind of 
brand than going to the Olympics does. And part of this is not being able to show the videos and, and those sort of things from the Olympics and, and not having that as part of, of the deal. But it was a concession made to players for other things in the last CBA extension of, of okay, players, it really matters to players to go. I, 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 do, I do wonder how much of, of a, an intangible benefit there is. Someone like T.J. Oshie was not a, 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 a big name until that Sochi shootout game. And, and, and is there value in selling the jersey, him being on the Today Show, those sort of things that carry over? I think we've, teams have said that they see kind of season ticket sales go away after the Olympics. That they're, they're not isn't necessarily that carryover that we would maybe think would exist. And, and you've got the risk of injury that, that, you know, GMs and executives and owners don't like the idea of, of their players going to the Olympics, not playing for them, and, and still being an injury risk. Imagine if, if the, the, the Maple Leafs are, he, are hurtling toward going to, to a, a Stanley Cup run this year, and you've got Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner or John Tavares or somebody get injured in Beijing. That's a, a realistic possibility that everyone kind of understands is part of the risk of this. And, and that's why the, the league really doesn't want this, but players want it so badly that it's it's worth it, and, and unless the, the the virus situation kind of gets out of control before early January is is when the, the league and players association have the chance to, to pull out of this, they're going to go, and and, and then we're, we'll do this dance all again for for Milan in Cortina in two thousand twenty six. Yeah, as I mentioned about the TV contract, ESPN's back for the first time since the two thousand three two thousand four season, and new partner TNT's on board. So, uh, how much is the NHL going to benefit from having two partners? televising the games. And, of course, the ESPN also has the ESPN Plus and the Hulu deal. Yeah, look, and everyone's talking about how more hockey is going to be on TV. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case because a lot of this deal is streaming ESPN Plus for kind of the rights to streaming. The old NHL TV is gone, and ESPN Plus now has the streaming rights to the game. What I do think the NHL has finally gotten around to is what the other three major North American men's sports leagues, uh, pro sports leagues, have, have realized is having your games on multiple networks allows for a cross-promotion aspect that hasn't been there before. It has been on NBC or Outdoor Life Network or Versus whatever and, and that entity for so long that other networks like Turner, TNT, Fox, ESPN have not felt the need to promote the league. The, 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 yes, of course, a, a major highlight is going to be on SportsCenter. The, the idea of two multiple networks in the United States promoting hockey, because in Canada this isn't a problem. TSN is going to promote the NHL because it, it has multiple regional deals. It has the, 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 the insider show uh, with my buddy Chris Johnson, Pierre Lebron, Darren Dreger, and, and, and you have kind of – it's a national game. Of course it's going to be talked about. I think this forces a little bit more of, of, of that promotional aspect that – it won't just be highlights on SportsCenter. It'll be kind of, you'll be watching a, an NBA game on, on TNT, promoting an NHL game on TNT, and, and same thing on, on ESPN and vice versa, that you're, you're going to get a little bit more cross-promotion. And I, if, I don't know if it works. I, I, don't, I don't know if it actually brings in new eyeballs, but it'll certainly give the opportunity for more folks in the United States who are not hockey fans to get a taste of it. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at the season. I mean, Tampa Bay is the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, but they lost a number of key players in the offseason. And the short offseason, uh, you know, can they do a three-peat? It's, it's certainly possible. And, 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 and not that I'm going to pick the Lightning to win it all again, because it is so hard. They've played so many games 
over over the last couple of years, including winning the cup twice in in, in ten months. The bubble situation, the, the shortened, the condensed season. You mentioned this. You're losing a, a Yanni Gord, a Tyler Johnson, a Barclay Boudreau, a David Savard, uh, uh, Blake Coleman. That, that, that they're, they're, this is the attrition of the salary cap did play a role. But look, the Lightning still have the great, the best goaltender in the world, the best coach in the NHL, the best GM in the NHL, uh, a, 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 a number one, an elite number one center in, in, in Braden Point, an elite goal produce playmaking winger in Nikita Kucherov, and an elite number one defenseman in, in Victor Hedman, and their top four defensemen back. So the, all the ingredients to win it all again are there. But other teams have loaded up. Colorado is still a really good team. The Islanders are, are, are a good, if not better, team. There are challengers along the way that it takes so much to go right. And we've seen this over the years with every team. So much has to go right with injuries and matchups and all of these things to win another championship. So, yeah, the odds are stacked against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but there's never been a team that has been as well-positioned to three-peat as Tampa Bay right now. And especially, as you mentioned, Sally Capriere, if they do it again, that'd be just amazing because nobody really in Sally Capriere has gone three-peat. We haven't seen a three-peat since the – uh, Islanders four-year run back in the early eight, early to mid-80s. So it'll be interesting to see if they can do it. And the fact, I mean, it's back to playing every other, all the teams now. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see what happens. Yeah, and 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 I and I look, I, I it, it's on the AP wire now. I took Colorado to beat the Islanders in, in, in the Stanley Cup final. I just think Nathan McKinnon's a man on a mission. But it will be fun to see the, the Lightning and, and kind of how they they. they regroup and figure this out. Uh, Julian Griezmann, in my opinion, is, is, a, is a genius. Bringing back Zach Bogosian on, on, a, on almost a league minimum deal. Bringing uh, in Corey Perry, Pierre-Edward Belmar, who we've seen with Philadelphia, Vegas, and Colorado, as, as a very underrated third, fourth line kind of contributing player. All those depth pieces are there for, for the Lightning, but it's just it's so, it's so hard to, to win a championship. It's so hard to, to go back-to-back. I think Colorado and Nathan, Nathan McKinnon, I think, is going to be a man on a mission this season. And, and I, I picked him to win the heart. I, I picked him to, to, along with Gabriel Landis Cog and, and those guys in Colorado, to, to, to win the Stanley Cup. But it's going to be fun to see because this is a, a, a take the Astros off. We're, we're, we're done with shortened season. We're done with bubble playoffs. This is a, a real season. We're going to get to see what these guys got. Yeah. Uh, for the Capital Region fans who are Rangers, Islanders, Bruins, and Devils fan, what do you have to say about them, those four teams? Well, look, I, I, I think the Bruins, I'm, I'm giving the Bruins more credit than a lot of other people around, I think, are. I, I think the Bruins are, are a playoff team still. Um, the, the Devils are, are, are getting there. Uh, I think they're still a year, if not two years, away from, from being a legitimate playoff contender. They'll be better, certainly with, with the addition of Dougie Hamilton. The Rangers, I think, are worse. I, I, I do. I, I think the, the, the entire kind of quest in the offseason to get tougher, to get bigger and tougher, and, and Barclay Goudreau is a good player, but when you're trading Bushnevich for Sammy Blay, when you're adding Ryan Reeves in the lineup instead of the Vitaly Krasov, I, I think... The, the, the moves that were made to get tougher took a lot of talent out of out of that team. I think the Rangers take a little bit of a step back or, or kind of are where they were last year. Instead of taking the step forward into being a playoff team, I think they're just outside that. The Islanders are, are as good a team as, as there is in the NHL. If if Barry Trotz and that team, look, Barry, Barry Trotz along with John Cooper, one of the best coaches in hockey, and, and if the goaltending is there, which I think it is with, with Ilya Sorokin and when Samian Varlamov gets healthy, this is a, a team that can defend. This is a, a team that gets Anders Lee back. You're adding a Zach Parisi, uh, Palmieri re-signed. 
all there are there are lots of elements there. If they can figure out how to score goals on a consistent basis, and and, and Palmieri should help in that department. Anders Lee being healthy should help in that department. The Islanders opening first a thirteen game road trip to start the season is going to be rough. It's going to kind of test what that team has. But opening up sparkling new arena and and and, and having a as good a structured team and, and a core that's been together for so long. This is the year for them to get over the hump. That they push the Lightning to six games in the bubble. They push them to seven games in a one goal game seven uh, this past summer. This is this is the get over the hump year for the Islanders, and we're going to see if they can do that. Yeah, maybe another new uh, Fort Never Lose arena like the old Coliseum. <laughs> and it's got the low ceiling like the Coliseum too. I really think it's it's on the train line. I think everything about the new arena is is going to be fantastic. Uh, last question. I mean, you mentioned the Rangers. I'm still confused of what they did. Uh, fire, basically cleaning house. It really didn't make any sense, and I still don't think it makes sense to this day that they you know, get rid of the general manager, get rid of President John Davidson, and get rid of uh, uh, Quinn as the coach. It just like, uh, especially coming out of that whole Tom Wilson situation and calling for the head of, uh, or calling for the firing of George Paris, the director of uh, uh, player safety. Yeah, and, and and to me, it's it it it, it was not necessarily that that the Tom Wilson night was everything that, that precipitated that change, but I think it pushed owner James Dolan over the edge of I can't see my team getting pushed around like this. And and, and I remember like this is a very big part of Flyers history that Ed Snyder this happened in a brawl against St. Louis in in the late '60s that I'm never going to have my team pushed around, and it became the Broad Street Bullies. Hockey is very different now, but it, it feels like. The bullying, the, the, the kind of Broadway bullying up of the New York Rangers now. Of, of every move that has been made since then, it feels like Tom Wilson's the GM. It, it, it's Chris Drury taking over for uh, for Jeff Gordon and, and John Davidson. It's the, the, the firing of, of, of Quinn and hiring of Gerard Gallant. It's Woodrow. It's Reeves. It's, uh, it's Sammy Blay. It's Patrick Nemeth and Jared Tenori bringing brought in on defense. Every move has been made to get bigger and tougher. And, 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 and I'll give Tom Wilson a lot of credit. He's like, look, this is a tough division. I think, yeah, they did need to get tougher because it should not have been Artemi Panarin needing to jump on my back. You should have had someone else being willing to kind of step up in those situations. There's a team toughness aspect there that I think as a, as a group, the Rangers have been challenged for that. The question now is, do, do they have enough talent to kind of say, we're a tough team, we're also still a good team. Because you got the reigning Norris Trophy winner in Adam Fox. You have Artemi Panarin. You have Mika Zibanejad and a fresh contract extension there. They may have Jack Eichel by the end of the season, for all we know. Uh, and so it's going to be fascinating for me, for all of us to watch and see if the Rangers are able to kind of blend this grit and toughness with the talent they've already had. So where can the NHL fans follow you on Twitter once again? It is S-Y-N-O, S-W-H-Y-N-O. Read all my stuff at uh, apnews.com. I appreciate a few minutes, Stephen, and uh, we'll chat during the season. You and your our good friend John Warwick do a great job covering the NHL for the AP, and uh, looking forward to uh, following the coverage. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. All right, that's Stephen Wino. We'll be back with, to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's You Pick Em and Auto Racing Contest in just a moment. The pro football season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets his or her name in the Daily Gazette on Thursday and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery card. 
The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com slash football. The You Pick'em Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, I'm UAlbany women's lacrosse coach Katie Rowan Thompson. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 5 winner in the Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest is John Reinhardt of Middleburg. John wins a $100 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, John. The VIP winners are Jim DeMarco of Terry Morris Ford, Scott Lucier of Capital Land GMC, and me. Yes, I had my best week going 13-3, and and that's despite picking against my Philadelphia Eagles against the Carolina Panthers. I'm now 48-32 and on the season. The Week 31 winner in the Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is Douglas Sheely of Schuylerville. Douglas wins a $50 grocery gift card. Congratulations, Douglas. The VIP winner is Nick Platel of Grand Premier Tires. I'll be announcing the weekly winner of each contest. The You Pick'em winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette, while the Auto Racing Contest winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazettes. If you would like to play in either contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the link for contest and promotions. The NFL season is underway, and that means you can see my picks and where you can watch the games. Go to dailygazette.com slash category slash sports to see my picks and the TV listings. Keep checking out dailygazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. And do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Adam Schinder and Stephen Wino for coming on the show. I'll have another podcast Thursday focusing on union hockey. I'll have interviews from Tuesday's media availability with the men's team. Plus, I'll be speaking with new Colorado College head coach and former union goalie Chris Mayotte. Colorado College plays two games at Messerink this weekend. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, Good day. Good sports.